Morning everyone again. Uh, as John has said, we are on red for us there. We are beginning our summer series. Uh, we tend to do this over the summer. We stop our normal series and, and go into the Psalms for a couple of months. And so that's where we'll be for the next two months, really, we'll be in the Psalms. Now this Psalm, Psalm 67, may or may not be familiar to you. Uh, it's probably not one of the most famous Psalms in the world, but uh, I thought it was a good place to start in 1940, I don't know if you're a history buff or you know much about your history, but in 1940, uh, Great Britain was involved in a, in a str- the, the struggle began uh, in, in war with Nazi Germany. And what they did in 1940 was because Great Britain obviously aren't that big of a nation, but they have an ally in the United States, they appealed to the United States for help. And so they appealed to them to come and help them. The reality was in 1940, actually, and again, I don't know if I didn't really know this either, so I'm standing up here like sound as if I know stuff, and I didn't know it until this week either. The reality was that most of Americans didn't want to get involved in the war. They did let let Great Britain tear away uh, because it really won't affect us. But they appealed to, to the United States to come and help them. In that... President, who was the president at the time, Franklin Roosevelt, told the American people, because, as I said, the public opinion was that most of them didn't want to get involved, Roosevelt told the American public they had a responsibility to help the democracies of the world against their aggressors. The reasoning was this, and this is important for today's sermon, the reasoning Roosevelt gave was this. The U.S. was the most prosperous nation in the world, the most blessed nation in the world. And with that prosperity and with that blessing came great responsibility. With that blessing and with that prosperity came great responsibility. Roosevelt told the country this, we must be the great arsenal of democracy. We have not been blessed for nothing. We have been blessed for the purpose of helping to save the world from evil. So the thinking was, from Roosevelt and those who were in power at the time, we have been blessed to be a blessing. We have been blessed as a nation to be a blessing to the nations around us. And Psalm 67 conveys that same thought about the people of God. It it conveys this idea, not only does it tell us where our blessing comes from, but it tells us and explains what we are to do with that blessing. What we're to do with it and the reason for it. Now, as I begin to explain this psalm, it will sound as if I am explaining the most basic principles that there are, where I begin. But I actually think, as I've studied this psalm this week, and as I've thought about this psalm, and I've thought about our lives, and I've thought about us as a church, and I've thought about us as a nation, it's actually really important that we grasp the very basic principles of this psalm. And the first one is this. What is the source of our blessing? What is the source of our blessing? The psalm begins, God 
be gracious to us and bless us and cause your face to shine upon us. Now, that might sound familiar to some of you. It probably sounds familiar because it's a quote from Numbers. Numbers 6.25, the ironic blessing. I grew up my entire life thinking it was the ironic blessing. And there's nothing ironic about it. It is the ironic blessing. Where Moses, God commands Moses that when Aaron and the priests bless the people, they should say to them, the Lord bless you and the Lord keep you and the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you and the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. You've probably all heard that. And so what is happening here is the psalmist is regurgitating that ironic blessing. For several hundred years since the time of the Exodus, these words have been familiar to the, pe- the people of Israel. They, they would have been as familiar to the people of, uh, as, of Israel as probably the 23rd Psalm is to us or the Lord's Prayer is to us. These are familiar words. The Lord be gracious to us. The Lord bless us and cause His face to shine upon us. And this is important because this would have been, been, been stated over and over again to remind the people of the source of their blessing. God is the source of their blessing. The first word here, God, Elohim, God is the subject of all the verbs in the verse. God be gracious to us. God bless us. God cause His face to shine upon us. And these verses want to make it clear to us, and they wanted to make it clear in the psalm, and they wanted to make it clear back in Numbers, that God is the source of all the good things that we have. Just as James says, James says this, every good thing, every good thing, every perfect gift that we have comes down from the Father of lights. That's what James says. Anything good you can think of, anything good that you can think of in your life has come from God. It is Him who is the ultimate source of that in your life. Now, when we grasp that reality, what should that do to us? When we grasp the reality that every single good thing that we have comes from God, what should that do to us? That should fill us with gratitude, and it should cause us to serve. That's the two things that it should do. When we grasp the reality that every single good thing we have comes from God, it should fill us with gratitude, and it should cause us to serve. So he is the source of our blessings. But this is also really important to grasp. He is the source of all, all our blessings. Now, we have just come out of of a series in the Beatitudes where I was very careful to show us that the word blessed in that context meant a very specific thing. The word blessed in the Beatitudes, I would love to ask you what it meant, because you were here for weeks and weeks, and if you couldn't tell me, I'd be raging. But blessed in the context of the Beatitudes meant content, satisfied, content are those who, 
Satisfied are those who. Now the word here, when we talk about blessed, the Hebrew word for blessed, translated here from the Hebrew word baraka, not B-S, B-A, baraka. Baraka just means a range of different things. Right? So, I know you'll not mind me saying this, but after our, after our series in the Beatitudes, uh, every time TJ would say, bless, you know, we're, we're blessed, and he would go, oh, stupid word, I don't know how to, I, stupid word, I, context, I, stupid word. Right? So, I'm going to help you here this morning, mate, and I'm going to give you loads of different contacts where you can say that, all right? So, there's loads of different, this word, this specific word, baraka, can mean loads of different things. Different types of blessings. Genesis 1 says God blessed Adam and Eve. Right? And told them to be fruitful and multiply. And subsequently they were blessed with children. Right? In Genesis 24, 35, Abraham's servant told Laban that God has blessed his master so that he became rich with flocks and herds and silver and gold. Different type of blessing again. Children, then material blessings. Genesis 26, verse 3, God blessed Isaac and told him that he would give him the land. Genesis 27, Isaac blessed Jacob and gave him the inheritance. Genesis 39, 5, the Egyptian crops were blessed because Joseph was with him. With them. In Numbers 23, Israel was blessed with military victory over their enemies. Deuteronomy 15, God said he would bless their work and whatever they put forth their hands to do. So you see here, this word bless, when, when you read here, God be gracious to us and bless us can mean a multitude of things. It can mean material blessing. It can mean spiritual blessing. It can mean loads of blessed with children. It can mean lots of different things. Many different kinds of blessings. But here's what we need to realize. All of them have their source in God. All of them have their source in God. Whether it be health, whether it be children, whether it be material, whether it be salvation, whether it be spiritual, whatever they are, whatever type of blessing we can count, they all come from God. Again, to quote James, Every good gift comes down from heaven, from the Father of lights. Do we realize that? Do we realize that? Because here's the thing, here's my next point. So, Point number one, every good gift, every blessing, all of our blessings, every good thing that you can think of in your life today is from God. And here's the next point. We deserve none of them. None of them. The verse says, God be gracious to us and bless us. It's important the verse doesn't say, God, give us what we deserve. 
That would be a huge mistake for us to ask God, give us what we deserve. The Bible tells us very clearly, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. You, You want what you deserve. I want what I deserve. Well, let me just just lay it out for us, what we deserve. This is what you deserve. You deserve hell and wrath. I deserve hell and wrath. See how that sort of changes our mindset a wee bit. Anything we get after that, anything we get after that is a blessing. A gift that we don't deserve. We don't deserve any of what we have. To be gracious, as it says here in in verse 1, may God be gracious to us. The language of graciousness means to be good to someone who doesn't deserve it. To be good to someone who doesn't deserve it. To treat someone better than they deserve. And that's exactly what God has done for us. In every single way we can think about it, that's what God has done for us. In salvation, mind-bogglingly, whatever that word would be, it's far better, it's, it's unbelievably better than what we can imagine. What we deserve. Our salvation is by God's grace alone. Not what we deserve. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. God is just incredibly merciful and gracious towards us in salvation. He sent His Son, Jesus, to die for us when we don't deserve it. The Bible says that whilst we were still sinners, Christ died for us in a state of undeserving. God sent Jesus. That if we trust Him as Savior, we can be forgiven. But we don't deserve it. Now, a lot of us who have been Christians for a wee while, maybe, are very familiar with that idea. We are very familiar with the idea that salvation is by grace alone. Yep, we, we get that, we say that. We say that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. We can do the five solas. We're very, very good. We get that. But here's what we need to realize. In the same way salvation is by grace alone, everything that we receive and everything that we have is also by grace alone. Everything. I think some of us have the attitude, some of us have a sub, even a subconscious attitude. That's, yeah, salvation is by grace. We get that. We don't deserve that. We don't earn that. But you know what? Everything else we earn and we deserve. Everything else we've earned and we deserve it. No. Every blessing 
that we can think of. Every good thing that we can think of is by grace alone, because God doesn't owe us anything. This is one of the most crucial attitudes that we can have as followers of Christ. If you realize, if I realize that whatever we receive is a gift, then we are grateful for everything. But if we think we deserve it, if we think we have an attitude where, where we, we're owed something, where we've done some work and we, we deserve it and we've earned it, and so God has to give it to us. then you'll be continually walking around in a state of discontent. And the world owes me everything attitude. When the reality is, God owes us nothing. Nothing. We don't deserve anything. But unfortunately, I think some of us have this idea that, yes, salvation is by grace, but we work hard and then we deserve. And that comes, that, that comes in all forms. That comes, well, we, well, it has to do with our work, and, and we deserve then to have this. Or we ha we, we, so I work hard, so I deserve to have this car. I work hard, so I deserve to have this house. I work hard, so I deserve to have, I deserve, I deserve, I deserve. The reality is we deserve nothing. I don't know if many of you know, because it wasn't publicized much, but I won a race this week. I'm just saying. Uh, I did. I won a bike race. did. Put it on Facebook and Instagram so that everybody could see. Uh, right? But after that race, right? After that race, this is me just being open, as open again as I can be with you as your pastor. After that race, what's the first thing I did? Went for a chicken burger and a chip. Why? Because I... That's the truth. That genuinely, I'm just letting you into my thought process. I thought, you know what? I've worked hard. I've won the race. I'm going to go for a chicken burger. Whatever or not. Everything. Chip and a Coke Zero. Because there's no calories in that. Right? That's what I did. Now, that's a micro level. That's a micro small level of the bigger attitudes that we have. I worked hard, so I deserve. This is mine. Nonsense. We deserve nothing. Nothing what we as human beings deserve. And I hate to keep on pressing the point home, but it's important. What we as human beings deserve is hell, death, and punishment. And what we receive is grace and lots of good gifts. We have to be so careful with the word deserve. It's not what we deserve. We don't deserve 
the next meal. We don't deserve a certain kind of cure. We don't deserve anything except immediate condemnation. As I say, if we have this attitude that we deserve everything that we, we will ever, we'll, we'll never be satisfied. And yet, if we have this attitude where I don't deserve anything, but I've been graciously given everything I have, we will walk in a continual state of contentment and thankfulness for what we do have. So our blessings come from God. He's the source of every single thing that we have here. This psalm makes it clear. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make His face shine upon us. Why? So that we, so that we can just fill our boots up and we can be happy and we can be satisfied and, and we can have a good time and we can enjoy the benefits of God? No. No. Look at the next verse. May God, and by the way, don't be scared. Don't be scared. We're not going to take it verse by verse. We're not, we're not doing that. Don't be afraid. We're, we'll be finished. I started at a quarter two today just so that we're aware, so I don't get slagged for like going on too long. We'll start at a quarter two. We're going to be on time. Right. Why? Why? May God be gracious to us and bless us and make His face shine upon us. Why? that your way may be known in all the earth. That's it. Not so that it terminates on us. God's blessing on us is never supposed to terminate on us. It is supposed to be just as the Americans, Roosevelt said they were a blessing to be a blessing. We are blessed to be a blessing. Never should it terminate on us. The psalm reads as if the, the writer here is just meditating on that, on the blessing from Numbers. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make His face to shine upon us. It's written in a way as such. He's just thinking about that. And all of a sudden, he's pondering that scripture, and he begins to wonder, why, why would God do that? Why would God bless us? Why would He be gracious to us? Why would He prosper us? And then it comes to him, as if the Holy Spirit gives him the answer in verse 2 that your way may be known in all the earth. That your way may be known in all the earth. Your saving power among the nations. Let all the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. God blesses us with all the blessings that we have so that His ways may be known in all the earth. In fact, here we see this, this, the purpose of our blessings, this statement is, it's almost sandwiched between two expressions of God's purpose for His blessings. Here in verse 2, near the beginning of the psalm, it says, that thy ways may be known in all the earth, thy salvation among the peoples. And then at the very end of the psalm, in verse 7, it says basically the same thing again. God, our God, blesses us. God blesses us at the ends of the earth. May fear Him. So twice we see the purpose here. Twice we see that the purpose of our blessings is that God ways, God's ways may be known in all the earth. See, this is how God works. This is what all, God always does with His people. 
He doesn't just indiscriminately bless people for no apparent reason. No, there's purpose behind the blessing, and the purpose behind the blessing is so that others will know Him. And so that His name may be known. Think about one of the most significant passages in the Old Testament. God's call to Abraham in Genesis 12. God told him, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. Right, that's brilliant. Abraham must have been buzzing at at God giving him this promise. I'll make you a great nation and I will bless you. Let's just take that. Just take that there. But that's not where God stops. He says this, And so you shall be a blessing to the nations. I'll bless you, brilliant, so that you will be a blessing to the nations. God just didn't bless Abraham for the sake of blessing Abraham and the nation of Israel. God called him and blessed him so that the nation of Israel would be a blessing to the, to the rest of the nations, to the rest of the world, in producing what? The Messiah. We see this purpose again later in Genesis. Joseph sold into slavery, and God blessed everything that he put his hand to. Why? Everything Joseph touched seemed to be blessed. Why? Was it just for him? No. So that ultimately Joseph could deliver his people and the Messiah would come from that line and be a blessing to the nation. Twelve times in total, in a very short space of seven verses, God emphatically emphasizes here that God's purpose in blessing his people is so that the nations, the people on the earth, might be blessed through them. So Psalm 67 makes it clear that God is not just blessing us to bless us. He blesses us for a purpose. And that purpose is to make God known in the world around us. God gives all our blessings. He is the source. Everything that we have is from Him. We don't deserve any of it. The point of them is to bless those around us. But for what purpose? Here's the purpose. Worship. Worship. Look at the, look at the, look at the text. May God, this is just an obvious logical flow of the text... May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us that your way may be known in the earth, on the earth, your saving power among the nations. And what? Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let the peoples praise you. Worship is the goal. John Piper says, missions exist because worship doesn't. Missions exist because worship doesn't. Worship is the goal. Let me give you a quote from Piper. Therefore, worship is the goal and the fuel for missions. 
Missions exists because worship doesn't. Missions is our way of saying the joy of knowing Christ is not private or tribal or national or ethnic privilege. It is for all, and that's why we go. Because we have tasted the joy of worshiping Jesus, and we want all the families of the earth to be included. You'll see here, it's very, very logical flow. Psalm 67. The psalmist asks God to be gracious, to bless, so that all the peoples of the earth would know and that they would worship. If that's the case, what do we need to learn from this psalm? If this is the case, and this is the, this is the normal flow, the normal trajectory of how God works in lives, what do we need to learn? How does this apply to us in Cornerstone Church today? Well, first question we need to ask, how has God blessed me? How has God blessed me? What has God put in my hand? Have I been blessed financially? Am I using that blessing for selfish purposes to make myself more comfortable? Or am I using that blessing to bless others to advance the kingdom of God? Have I been blessed with a gift to serve the church? Am I using that gift to serve the church? Am I using that gift to make people aware of Christ so that the nations would be glad, so that worship would happen? Or am I happy enough to conceal that gift? Hide it away. Folks, that's not on. To put it in Russ Frowning terms. God has blessed you. And I'm, 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 maybe, there may be someone in here and they, they know rightly they have a gift that no one else knows about and, and they know that they're concealing it and they know that they're, they've never really said to anyone about it. And it could be hospitality. It could be, it could be anything. But you know you have it and you're concealing it and you're hiding it away because you don't want to be showy or you don't want to be blah, blah, whatever it is. But God has blessed you with a gift for the service of the church and you're hiding it. That's not all. The purpose of your blessing is to be a blessing to others. How has God blessed you? What has He put into your hands? What has He given you? Second question, how can that blessing be used to make known the glory of God to the world around you? Consider this. Think about this. It's not okay. This is not some theoretical endeavor we're engaged in this morning where John gets up and John talks about the blessings of God and how God has blessed us to be a blessing to others. And we go away from here and we think, all right, okay, that's great. It's not some theoretical thing that we're talking about here. It's real life. So we need to think. 
How has God blessed me? And how can I use that blessing to be a blessing to others? It's practical. It's, it's unbelievably practical. It's real life. Now, obviously, obviously, the way in which we have been blessed the most is through Christ. And it's pretty obvious how in that way we've been blessed and how we're to use that blessing to be a blessing to others in the world around us. You see, Christianity, following Christ, is not, hear this, is not a private endeavor. It's not a private thing. I, I grew up, uh, I think it was my, gran- my granny and my granddad always used to say it anyway, but, you know, oh, no, it's between you and God. And, and that, was, that was a way of saying, listen, I can have my own private faith, and I don't really need to talk to anybody about it, but it's just between me and God, and, and that's, all. That's, that's not how Christianity works, folks. That's not what it means to be a follower of Jesus. To be a follower of Jesus is not a private endeavor. To be a follower of Jesus is that we have been blessed through Christ in salvation so that we can go to the world and tell the world that we have a Savior that they can know, that they can be saved through, that they can be blessed through. That's the purpose of Christianity. It's not a private endeavor. And so it's very clear, it's very obvious, I don't need to make the the application very, very difficult this morning when it comes to Christianity. Go and tell the world about Jesus. That's really simple. See, all the wee ones that aren't so simple. What I do with my finances. What I do with my time. What do I do with X, Y, and Z? Those are the more difficult questions that we need to ask. How do we be a blessing through those things? It's true on an individual level, but it's also true on, on a corporate level for us as a church. You see, the reality is, we're nine years into Cornerstone Journey, the Cornerstone Journey, and God has blessed us. God, God has blessed us as a church. I was talking to someone the other day, actually, and uh, I was talking to a guy, and it was about my frustrations more than anything. And he said, and it was a very, it was a reorientation of my perspective, to be honest. It was like if you had a told in, in, nine years ago, if you had told you Cornerstone would be where it is now, would you have believed it? And would you have, I would have taken their right arm off to be where we are now. God has blessed us. He really has. We've witnessed God's goodness firsthand. We've seen salvation. We have grown numerically. And here's the reality. We're in a dangerous spot. And I, probably, I wish there was more here to hear this, to be honest, but we are where we are. We're in a dangerous spot. And the reason we're in a dangerous spot in Cornerstone Church is because this can become incredibly comfortable. 
So let me, let me just... Let me just do some very real talk to the church this morning, and then we'll, we'll get back. This can be incredibly comfortable, right? We're well down in numbers this morning, like massively down, right? But does it feel uncomfortably down? No. The room still feels reasonably full. We'll come, we'll, we'll, we'll have our lovely times of worship, and we'll hear John speak for half an hour, and we'll put up with him, and then we'll go and we'll have our tea and our coffee, and it'll be all nice and lovely. And nobody will really notice the difference. And we can fall into this lull of being comfortable. And we as Cornerstone Church can just go through the motions of being comfortable. And we can come every week and we can sing our songs and we can hear the sermon and we can do our thing and we can go home again. I'm not up for that. And the reality is I don't think you're up for it either. I don't think you want it. I don't think you want comfort. I don't think, I think, I think we're made for more than what we're doing. I think we're made for mission. I think we're made to, to be out there. I think we're made to go and tell the good news. I think we're made, that's God in us. We're, we're supposed to be that. And honestly, as in rough frailing terms as I can put it, I think we need a good shake. because we can fall into this comfortable me. We have been blessed. How are we going to continue to be a blessing to the world around us? The question I always ask myself, I, I ask my, you can be guaranteed I ask myself this question seven days a week. If Cornerstone Church was gone in the morning, who would notice? Who would notice? You might because you've nowhere to go on a Sunday morning for a couple of weeks. Then you go somewhere else. But would Rathfrylan be a different place because Cornerstone Church is not in it? You can go home and ponder that one afterwards. Tell me your answer. How are we going to continue to be a blessing to the world around us? We have been blessed. We have been blessed. There's not one step of our journey in nine years. Not one step. Where God hasn't been with us. But how are we going to continue to make sure that we are a blessing to those around us? How are we going to take the gospel? Not just here, but how are we going to take the gospel to Hilltown, to Newry, to Castle Wallen, Mayo Bridge, all of those places, all of those places need the gospel, all of them. And what I say is we can be quite comfortable here and let our blessings terminate on us here is that we'll be happy enough with this. May we be a church that are never happy with this. Never happy with this. Never content with this. Always wanting to be a blessing to those in the world around us.
So God be gracious to us. Would you dare to pray that prayer with me this morning? A prayer of Psalm 67. God be gracious to us and bless us. Make his face shine upon us. That his ways may be known in all the earth. That his saving power may be known in Hilthorn, in Castlewall, in Mayo Bridge, in Newry. And let the peoples there praise you. That's the mission. That's the goal. Worship is the goal in every single one of those places. So that our God may be glorified. Don't let our blessings terminate on us. The blessing of salvation terminate on us. Let me pray for us. Father, give us, I pray, give, stir us to a holy discontentment that we're not okay with just being comfortable. That we're not okay with just letting your blessings fall on us and terminating on us, but that we would go so that the people would praise you. Father, we thank you for your word. And I pray that it would have its way in our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen.